John 10. Turn there, please. Gospel account of John, the 10th chapter, the chapter about the good shepherd whom we happen to know personally. Amen. Amen. We've got friends in exceedingly high places, don't we? Glory to God. You know, the apostle John renamed himself. You know, the man God used to pen this book you're turning to right now, John 10. He renamed himself as the, the disciple the Lord loved. <laughs> you, you read through and you'll see. That's how he referred to himself in his own writing. Who are you? I'm the one he loves. <laughs> Amen. You see him at the Last Supper, got his head laid up on Jesus' chest, close as he could get. Amen? And that was his revelation, his confession. Who are you? What's your claim to fame? I'm the one he loves. And that will help your faith enormously if you begin to confess that and begin to get a revelation of that. God loves me. Cares about me. Make up your mind, you're going to make it. Amen. I made up my mind some years ago. Keith is going to make it. What do you mean? I'm going to make it. I am going all the way through. I'm going to do his will for my life. I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to do it. Amen. Listen, what makes you so sure? Because he loves me. He loves me so much. That if I just halfway try to serve him and stay with him, which I am, he's going to see to me. If I'm thinking wrong, he'll tell me different. If I go the wrong way, he'll show me how to get back on track. If I mess up and fall, he'll pick me up. If I fall five times, he'll pick me back up five times. If I don't get it the first time, he will turn up the volume. If I don't get it the fourth time, he'll send somebody by and say, Keith. Do you not understand? He will send five people by. He'll draw me a picture if I need it. Amen? And with such help, I will make it. Amen? I'm going to make it. Everybody said out loud, I'm going to make it all the way. Glory to God. Till I hear the trumpet sound or till I breathe my last. Amen? I'm going to stretch out my chest and hit the wire. The finish line, the tape I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. And I am going to stand before the throne and I'm going to see him in all his glory. And I'm going to hear him say, Keith, well done. Hallelujah. Well, if that don't make you happy, something's wrong with you. I, I can believe that for me. I can't believe that for you. You have to believe that for yourself. Somebody say, I believe it. I'm going all the way. John 10, are you there? In John the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, John 10, 10. Jesus is speaking and he said, the thief cometh not. Now you you could just stop. The thief cometh. That's the truth. And he, he does, he cometh not except to do these things. He cometh, and he only comes to steal, 
and to kill and to destroy. Now, if you just stopped there and meditated on that only, that might make you depressed. Think, well, the devil's coming. <laughs> Jesus said he was. <laughs> you know, some people only read the scriptures with a negative slant. You know, they can read 20 chapters and there'll be all kind of wonderful things. And the only thing they get out of it is, whoa, woe unto thee. Something to make you feel bad, to get down about and don't see the life and don't see the truth that sets you free. Truth sets you free. Doesn't bind you up. And you know that's how you can judge every sermon. And you're supposed to judge every sermon, including what I teach here. Every sermon, every message, you're supposed to judge it. Amen. By the Word of God. By the Spirit inside. And you'll find that all that is anointed of the Lord, all that is His utterance, even though it corrects you, even though it rebukes you, even though it reproves you, it ministers life to you. Amen. Quickens you. Liberates you. Sets you free. Amen. Anything that beats you down and leaves you there and you feel weaker and more depressed than before you heard it was not the thing from the Lord. I don't care how many scriptures they used. No, you can use scriptures to minister death. But Jesus said, the thief cometh, still kill and destroy, but that's not the end of it. What, What does he say after that? I am come. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people in church services get up and whisper and go, the devil's here. I can just feel it. He's got the whole thing bound up. Well, yeah, he comes to every service. Yeah. Every prayer meeting. He's a lot more faithful than a lot of Christians. He comes to Every meeting, every service, sure. I said, I think, I think the devil's in my house. Oh, yeah, he comes around. Jesus said, he cometh. But who else came? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, I am come. If he's come, you know one way you resist the devil? Ignore him. That's, that's one way you resist him. Even if he was able to get by some stuff in your life, don't give him the satisfaction of you publishing it. Don't. Even though he got one in on you. Just to act like it didn't happen. It really irks him, man. It really bugs him. He wants you to tell everybody. So he can jump on them and go, I'm going to do it to you too. The devil loves attention. Oh, he does. Loves for people to talk about him. Loves for people to tell all the bad stuff that he's been able to do. But do you know if nobody in the church would yield to him? Nobody would yield their mind to him and think on him. Nobody would yield their mouth and talk about him. Nobody would yield and act on his thoughts and promptings. It would be like he wasn't even here. It would be like he's behind a plate glass looking in, wanting to say and do, but can't do a thing. Oh, but when you talk about Jesus, when you think about him and you talk about him and meditate on him and praise him, he inhabits 
the praises of his people and he manifests himself. Amen. Glory to God. I'm trying to go on, but somebody needs this some more. Years ago, I grew up in the country. And, and as a little boy, my dad bought, I think for my 10th birthday, uh, the, my dad bought me a tent. Because there are a lot of woods out there. And we're going to camp out in this tent. And so we would. Some of my buddies and I, we'd go out and camp out. We're going to fish, catch fish, cook fish, take beans just in case. We didn't catch any fish. We ate beans quite a lot. But we had a lot of fun. Build the campfire, cook the beans. I mean, we, we find vines in the trees and play Tarzan. Swing and yell and scream and run. And just fearless. I mean, we went into some places, I think back now, and shudder. Some of the places we went through with no fear. Fearless. Run through, swim in any muddy hole and run through any briar patch and but then get there to camping, and invariably, after the beans and everything else, somebody would start telling a scary story. Hmm? And then somebody would try to top that with their scary story. And within just a few minutes of these scary stories, this fearless bunch... Is transformed. I mean, you hear a little click in the woods. Everybody turns around. What was that? What was that? And I mean, the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Goosebumps, double parked on your arms, and literally, literally full of fear. How did that is an amazing transformation? Wasn't afraid of maybe some things you ought to have been thinking about. And now all at once full of fear. What happened? We begin to talk about the enemy and talk about these things and that gave him a right to manifest himself. Oh, but I've seen the same thing. Maybe after a service or something. In a service. And after services. And at different times begin to talk about something the Lord did. How he manifested himself. What he did. How he healed somebody. How he met somebody's need, how he set somebody free, begin to talk about it. Next thing you know, you begin to sense his presence. Next thing you know, he begins to do again what you talked about him doing before. Amen. Remember those two, two disciples after Jesus was buried and raised from the dead, just immediately after, they were walking on the road to Emmaus, is that what it was? And they're talking to themselves about Jesus and they look up and he's there. The disciples were behind closed doors and they're talking about Jesus and look up and there he is. Somebody said, why did you say that? Because I'm charging you in the name of the master, certain individuals particularly in here, quit talking about the devil. Hmm? There's some people you think you're more spiritual than other folks because you have all these demonic manifestations. And the truth is you're inviting them. You're giving place to it by all this incessant talk about the devil and demons and demon activity and actually are providing an environment for them to manifest in. 
And I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, quit. Stop. Stop talking about the devil and demons. Stop it. The two main things you need to know about dealing with the devil, and they're Jesus' example. He showed us how to do it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see it again and again. When a devil tried to speak or a devil tried to do something, Jesus said, Shut up and come out. Now, that's not too difficult, is it? Let's practice that real slow. Number one, shut up and come out. I mean, we ought not allow... I mean, we didn't come here to talk about the devil tonight. We didn't come here to praise him. or We ain't got no time for him. Amen. Right? We talk about Jesus. We bless the master. We glorify and worship God. We don't fight devils. They try to mess with us. We shut them down. In Jesus' name, shut them down. Now, I didn't intend to say any of that, but so you understand, if, if that was you, that wasn't just me talking to you. That was the Lord talking to you, and if you don't heed it, it's going to cost you. I have seen people at so-called, they came to me afterwards, messed up. I, I have to back up. They came to me and wanted to talk to me about certain things about demons and devils, and I warned them. I said, quit this. Get off of this. Get in the Bible. Reading all this junk. Well, I'm going to learn about all this occult stuff so I know how to deal with it. Ignorant. Just asking for problems. Well, I've got problems and I need to be delivered. And so they're going to go to these people that, that sweat on them and spit on them from, and yell in their face for four hours. And the next time I saw them, they had a spirit. Did you hear me? And you know where they got it? In the so-called deliverance service. Everybody said out loud, I got no time for the devil. I got better things to talk about than the devil. I praise the Lord. And I keep my mind stayed on him. Amen. Praise God. Some folks have sought deliverance and sought deliverance and sought deliverance. And they've had all kind of experiences and they think, well, the people just don't understand all I'm going through. This is serious. No, you've given place to it. You've actually invited it through all this talking about it and through all this magnifying the work of the enemy. And you can get free immediately. Amen. Without anybody spitting in your face or screaming at you or yelling or, you know, you can get free by just acting on this right now. Forbid yourself. To talk about the devil and magnify these things and talk about what you feel and talk about what you thought you heard and what you saw and worship God. Worship God in your house. Worship God in your car. Worship God. Amen. And keep your mind on him, on him. Keep his words in your mouth and his presence and his peace will come in and fill up your house and fill up your car and nothing else can stay in there. Amen. It will expel it will push out. Amen. It will displace all the enemy's works. He can't, the enemy can't stay when God fills the place. Amen. Can you say amen? Somebody needed that. Take heed, please. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, those of you that were not with us and those of you that were, I'm going to remind you. This, this term, life and more abundantly, the term particularly more abundantly, is from the Greek word perissos. And it means exceeding measure, rank, or need. It means over and above and more than is necessary. It means super added. Super added. It means surplus. Super abundance. It means superior in quality, super abundant in quantity. Dr. Strong in his concordance says it means by implication, excessive. That's what it literally means. Abundance is more than enough. But this word literally means super abundance. That's not just more than enough. That's more than. More than enough. It's excessive. So with that understanding, why did Jesus come? I am come. That you might have life excessive. That you might have excessive life. Are we living in excess? Yeah, how quiet that was, Pastor. (laughs) Why? Because most people are not. But are we going to water down the Word? To match our lack of experience, are we going to believe God to elevate our experience until we see the excess? Amen. Till we're living in surplus. He prepares a table before me. Right in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my, my head with oil. And my cup, my cup runneth. Over. Glory to God. We ask the question, does God know when the cup is full? Why does he keep pouring? Huh? Why does he? Because he is excessive. That's his nature. That's his way. I'm going to show you example after example. This is going to get in your spirit. Amen. Amen. Not enough is not God's will. Just enough is not God's will. What's God's will? More than enough. Too much. Excessive. People say, oh, watch out, watch out, watch out. You don't want to get into excess. Really? Why don't we want to get into excess? We don't want to get into error. But we do want to get into excess. That's the will of God for us. I say, yeah, but now, brother, the scripture said to do all things in moderation. Really? Where did you say that at? Go to Philippians. Let's look at that. Yeah, do all things in moderation. That has been misquoted. Misapplied, used to be self-satisfied, used to pull people's vision down too long, and we need to do something about it. Amen? 
I'm understanding all the scriptures have to agree. Right? He didn't tell us all these things we've already talked about and are going to see about excess and too much. And then in another place tell you, no, no, be satisfied with just enough. That can't be. In Philippians, verse 4 of chapter 4. Philippians 4, 4. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. You know, that do, acting on that, practicing this verse, will do more to make you a victorious Christian than about anything you want to talk about. If you praised God all the time, no matter how you felt, no matter what was going on, you'd be reacting and responding in faith. That'd give God a legal right to work. Amen. When you don't know what to do, rejoice. Amen. I'm serious. When you don't know what to do, you don't know how to handle it, rejoice always and give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice and give thanks. Rejoice and give. If the conversation lulls and lags a little bit, you don't know what to say, just say, praise God. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You're always right. It's always appropriate. Everywhere, every time, every place, every situation. What do we do now? Don't just stand and look at each other. What do we do now? (laughs) Rejoice. Let's praise God. Let's bless God. Bless God because of this bad stuff that's going on? No, because of what he's doing to bring us out. Amen. 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 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. This is the only place in the scripture that this particular word occurs. And to be frank with you, I don't think, in our, according to how we use language today, that it really helps us. This particular way this particular word was um, translated. Let me read to you from the definitions. Then let's back, we're going to back up and look at how, how it was used in the context here. Need, two, need another hand here. Uh, the scripture said, let your moderation be known to all men. Let me read you some other translations. The NASU says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The NIV and New King James says, those two, so let your gentleness be known to all men. The ASV and the RSV says, let your forbearance be known to all men. The NAS says, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Living Bible says, let everyone see that you are unselfish and and considerate. Now, does that mean the same thing to you as when you hear be moderate? No, the the way we use these words today, that's not the message you get. If you back up in the fourth chapter, Philippians 4, what was he talking about? You know, so many times it would change people's whole message if they'd just back up and read a verse or two that came before it. I'll read a verse or two that came after it. 
got to keep things in context. What was he talking about? In, in verse 1 and 2, he said, My dearly beloved and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odeus, and I beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So what do you know by reading between the lines here? What was going on? You, Odeus, and Syntyche must have been feuding and fussing some. Right? He's saying, come on now. I want you to be of the same mind. And I entreat you, true yoke fellow, to help those women which have labored with me in the gospel. And you, you see other indications of this. And you just hear the heart of God. He wants his people to get along. Amen. He wants us to be in unity. And he reminds us. He said, let your, one, one translation says like this, let your sweet reasonableness. Be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. He's here in spirit and he's about to come in the flesh. And he, you don't want him to come and you fussing and fighting with each other. Right? So no, he's not talking about being afraid you're going to get into excess here. That's not even the context of the whole thing. He's talking about having a gentle spirit. He's talking about being kind. He's talking about putting up with people. He's talking about being sweet and reasonable. Now that would be a message within itself, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Any Christians need to hear, be sweet. Whoo. So no, he's not, you know, people have used this. I know they have. I know. Years ago I did. Same thing. Well, the Bible says it's got to be moderate and everything. No, the Bible says be temperate. Not the same thing. Temperate means self-controlled. Amen. Self-controlled. Is God self-controlled? Yes, he is. But he's also excessive. Amen. He's in control, but he's excessive. Now, I want you to go with me, please, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. And let's talk some more about the nature of God. Genesis 13. For those of you that weren't with us, we talked about three levels of living. We talked about the level of not having enough. We talked about getting to the level of just enough. And we talked about getting to the level of more than enough, too much. And how that this is exemplified through God's dealings with Israel in their condition in Egypt. They were slaves. They did not have enough. They didn't have enough just for existence sometimes. They didn't even own their own self. They just always worked for another man and everything they did went for somebody else. Is that the will of God for you and I today? It's not, but a lot of people are right there. They didn't have enough. There were people that were perishing because of malnourishment and because of abuse and because of every other thing. Not a decent place to sleep, not a decent place to live. They didn't have enough. But praise God, he brought them out with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble person among them. And he got them out of Egypt and took them right straight to the wilderness. It was the wilderness, the will of God. The temporary will of God. Very temporary. In the wilderness, how did they live? Day to day. Right? The scripture said, you know, the manna rained down and they gathered it up. And the, the scripture said the one that gathered a lot didn't have too much. And the one that gathered a little, uh, you know, had just enough. Didn't have too little. It wasn't too little. It wasn't too much. What was it? Just, 
Just enough. And they live like that day to day. And the, we, we read in the scriptures in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8, and I was going to take you to 11 or some things there, but how the, the Lord said that he allowed them to deal with this so that they would, he would see their heart and he would learn that they would obey him. And you remember the manna test? Anybody remember the manna test? They flunked the manna test. And we went into some detail last night talking about if you're going to get through the wilderness to Canaan's land, you got to pass the tests, right? God intended that they learn how to live by faith, that they learn how to obey Him, that they learn to trust Him and do what He said, when He said, the way He said it, and they just go right through and get into Canaan's land. The land that flowed with milk and honey, the land of, I mean, big bunch of grapes, so big, two men had to carry them. That's too much grapes, isn't it? I'm telling you, it was amazing. God talked about this land. He said, you know, you came out of Egypt, and they had to irrigate that place. He said, but I have found you a place, and it's the glory of all lands, and I reign on it. I irrigate it. And you you got iron ore and silver and gold, and and there's going to be vineyards you didn't plant, and wells you didn't dig, and houses you didn't build, full of all good things. That, That was his will. That was his plan, that they be there in a few months. But they keep failing the test. God would say, all right, go out and get the manna. Okay, don't save it. So they'd save it. (laughs) Okay, don't go out today and get it. So they'd go out on the Sabbath and try to get some. Kept failing it and failing it and failing it. When God says save, what do you do? When he says give, what do you do? See, until you learn these lessons, you will stay on the plane of just enough. And that is why myriads of Christians are still right there on the plane of just enough. Because when he says, do this, do that, they're thinking, well, I can't. I can't. If I had more, I would. Lord, you know I would. No, he doesn't know any such thing. He knows if you had 10 million, you'd do exactly what you're doing with your 100. Jesus said so. Hmm? If you're unfaithful in the, in the least, you'll be unfaithful in much. Hmm. So, in order to get to the Canaan's land, the too much, we've got to pass the tests. Now, I want us to get in our heart what Canaan's land is. And, and what's, what's here for us in this life right now, and it's too much. But you, before, you, before it'll ever happen out here, you've got to see it inside. You've got to see you with way too much money than just what you need to do your stuff. It's hard to have a world vision when it's taken all the faith you've got to pay your rent. Would you like... That the pastors get up here and they tell you about a $100,000 project and, and it's offering time and you just bow your head and your biggest dilemma is to say, Lord, uh, what you want me to do? You want me to do all of it? You want me to do half of it? What you want me to do? Would you like that to be your case? Hmm? It will never come to you by you just idly going, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice, but that ain't never going to happen. Now, even though people don't say it, that's what they believe. Yeah, like, like that's going to happen to me. You don't know where I work. 
You don't know what I make per year. You don't know my annual income, but I can't do that on what I make, and I'm on my fixed income. I can't do that on my... Well, the only thing fixing you is your unbelief. The only thing fixing you is your fear. Because He meets your needs according to your job in Jersey. Huh? Does He? According to your investments in certain stock. No. He meets all our needs according to His unlimited riches in unchangeable glory. What can you have? You can have anything you can believe for. I'm talking about you. You. Yes, you. Your age, your gender, your color, your background, you can have anything, anything, anything. I didn't write this. I didn't make this up. Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. Is it possible for you to pay off everything you owe and get totally out of debt? Yes. Hmm? Is it possible for you to write big checks and, and put them in the offering and pay off your, your, your neighbors and relatives stuff? Amen. And send your kids to the best schools. Hmm? And have new stuff and nice house and nice car. Is it? Is it possible for you to do this? It doesn't start in your account. It doesn't start in your purse. It starts right in here, right inside your heart. I come from Mississippi. We, we never had a telephone all my growing up. We didn't have an indoor bathroom until I was in high school. We didn't have a bath. We had a path. And when God started dealing with me about what he wanted to do with my ministry, he, and he eventually started dealing with me about TV and about radio and about jets None of my folks, most of my folks had never even ridden in an airplane. And when the Lord started dealing with me to get an airplane, he dealt with me, get it, believe me for it, sow seed for it, and claim one. And he said, I'm not going to let you borrow on this. I want you to stand and believe me. Your head, my head said, you got to be kidding. But you know, in a few months, everybody say a few months. It happened amazingly fast. In a few months. I had a, it's a little single prop, but it was beautiful. Had it paid for. Amen. I flew all over the country in that thing. Amen. I mean, San Francisco and Canada, up here, everywhere. And just a few weeks after I got that, the Lord said, claim a jet. Now, I got to be honest with you, I had trouble with that. <laughs> I had trouble with that. Because they, I mean, jets have little parts on them this big. It costs $30,000. And when you pull up to the pump and say, fill her up, gold car won't cut it. You, you better have, hmm? You know, jet fuel's higher than car gas. And it holds hundreds of gallons. I'll be honest with you. When I claimed it, I, you know, I tried to see. I'd go by. I went down to Brother Copeland's. And he always encouraged me in these areas, you know. And he'd say, get up in mine. Sit up in there. And I'd get up there and sit. 
And I'd try to see me in there. And I couldn't see me in there. And I'd try to, you know, I try, I'm trying to get this in my spirit. And, and I tried to get it in there, but the wings were too wide. I can't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't fit. I, I tried to see me in there, but I couldn't see. I looked in the back, tried to see if Phyllis was sitting back there. I couldn't see her. I saw us on the ramp waving at somebody else when they took off. But I couldn't see us in one. And I tried to get that thing in me and the tail would bump and wouldn't go in and the wings were too big. And I worked on it for months. I worked on it for months. And I'd said I was confessing it, but I didn't believe it yet. Hmm? But that's how that helps you get to faith. I had sown seed and I was confessing and I had sown seed and I was confessing, but I, it wasn't real to me. I couldn't see me in it. I mean, I had difficulty just doing some other little small things. How am I going to do that? And that's why people never have certain things because they, they can't see how they could get it, so they refuse to believe they will. If they can't see how, then they don't believe. But I tell you what, eventually I got both wings in there. <laughs> and I got the tail in there. Amen. And in my heart and in my vision, I closed my eyes and I looked up in the cockpit and, I, and somebody turned around and smiled at me and it was me. It was me. I was sitting at the controls. Sitting up there with my hands on the throttle. And I looked back in the back and there was Phyllis saying, baby, I'm ready to go. I could see it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I could see it. not, Not just see it on the ramp. I could see me in it. I could see me with it. And that's got to happen first inside you before it's ever going to happen outside. Do you know by within a year's time of me getting that in me, we just kept believing. Somebody, some, a couple of folks that we had known for years, they called us one night and said, we want to go, we want to take you to uh, dinner. This nice place. We said, praise God, we went with them. We ate a nice meal. After the meal, they looked at us, they said, the Lord's been dealing with us about something. We said, yeah. They said, yeah, about an airplane. I said, really? They said, yeah, actually for about a year he's been dealing with us to give you a jet. We said, is that right? And they did. I said, and they did. And they did. It's sitting in the hangar, paid for. And somebody might look and say, well, would you look at that preacher? Flying in that expensive machine. And I paid less for it than they did their Toyota. (laughs) God gave it to me. Gave it to me. Gave it to me. Gave it to me. Did you get the first step? I didn't just tell you that to be talking about my stuff. Did you get the first step? What's the first step? You got to get it inside you. Can you see you living in a house like that? Can you see you driving in a car like that? Can you see you sitting in the church and writing a check like that? Can you see you doing that? It doesn't happen in your pocketbook first. It doesn't happen in your accounts. It doesn't happen in your purse. It happens first inside you. When your soul prospers, glory to God, then you're going to prosper on the outside. Have you found Genesis yet? 
13. I gave you plenty of time. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm seeing some new things now. I'm not going to tell you about it right now, but I, I've been working on some things. And I, I, I can close my eyes and I can see me in it. Whoo, yeah. And when it gets real to you in here, you know, that's what faith is. When you get in faith, it gets so real to you, it's like you already got it. Amen. Amen. It's so real to you on the inside. And when it gets like that, it's only a matter of time until it's like that out here. (laughs) Some folk are getting this. Glory to God. We're going to have some testimonies. About next year this time, there are going to be some testimonies. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. (laughs) <laughs> now this is not something you have to go around and tell everybody else necessarily. You understand? It's not them you've got to convince. It's you. Right? It's you. And I said, well, what if they don't agree with me? Tough. Let them sit back and watch. It'll happen anyhow. Their unbelief can't nullify your faith for you. If I'm trying to believe for them then their unbelief can hinder me for them. But if I'm believing for me, baby, ain't nobody can hold me back. It's me and God on this. Only I can mess me up. Glory. I didn't intend to say any of this, but I did. Genesis, are you there? Does God know when the cup is full? Huh? So why does he keep pouring? Hmm? Don't he know when to stop? Don't he know when enough's enough? Well, the difference is what he calls enough. Hmm? Versus what people call enough. To him, it's not enough until it's what? Too much. (laughs) It's not enough to him until it's running off. Running over. God is over the top. Literally. He's always been this way. In Genesis 13, when he got a man to covenant with him. Abraham. Remember him? Got a man to obey him. Man that would pass the manna test and other tests. And verse 1, Abram, 13.1, he went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all he had, and Lot was with him into the south. And Abram got by. Huh? <laughs> Abram made do. No. Mm-mm. Abram was very rich. Now, in case you thought you'd spiritualize that somewhere or another, keep reading. He was very rich in cows and in silver and in gold. Now, you've got to have help to get confused about that. And verse 5 said, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Does it make any difference who you hang around? Does it make any difference who you hook up with? Oh, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. And evil communications corrupt good manners. It's like what your mom always told you. Don't hang with that crap. They'll rub off on you, and they will. 
Man, it's good to get around people that's got more vision than you do. Amen. People that's got more faith in areas than you do. Helps you. And when you stand, I don't care whether it's for a healing or to meet a need or whatever it is. There's some days you wake up and you just know you don't need to see certain people today. Hmm? The Lord will help you. You'll just know inside you don't need to see why. Because you know they're just going to try to talk you out of it. They're just going to try, well now just calm down. Don't get into excess here now. Just, just calm down. Well, and just have some wisdom. And we just don't know. And there's some, you know, you need to get buddies. Faith buddies. Amen. You ought to find them in places just like this. Amen. I have faith buddies all over. I hang around with them and it inspires me. Because what seems big to me seems little to them. And they talk about, yeah, you know, we did this outreach and it cost 500000 and we took care of that. And you're going, yeah, that's right. Because my head's going, 500000 but I don't see that. I just bite my tongue and I go, yeah, right. Yeah. Half meal, that's not bad. It's humorous, I know, but I'm telling you some good things. Now, this is how you get from here to there. You got to quit being in awe of money. You can't go buy that car sticker and look at it and go, $43,000? You just told everybody my faith ain't there. Mm-hmm. I am not there. You got to look at it and go, that ain't nothing. I mean, if I was having to come up with it, it'd be something. <laughs> but uh, God's doing this for me. And, and he is not impressed by numbers. You know, you cannot write a big enough check. To ooh and ah him. You, you, you can't come up with a big enough need to scare him. There, there's not a big enough number that cause him to go, whoo. <laughs> the Almighty on the throne has never, with anybody's request, said, how much? <laughs> uh, Michael, Gabriel, come to conference. How much did they say? Twenty million. Are you kidding? He makes planets. 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 Stars. There ain't no amount of money that could possibly impress somebody who makes planets. He will never tell you, now tone it down. You are just getting carried away with this. That's just too much. Never, ever. You know what he will say? Is that all? He will. I was in a time of prayer one time and praying about some financial things. And... uh, This came up in my heart, and I said, well, Lord, how much should I try to believe you for on this? 
How much? And I don't mean I heard a voice, but I know distinctly inside me. He said, son, it's not up to me. He said, I could make you a multi-billionaire before the sun sets without making a phone call. (laughs) Could he? I said, is he God or is he God? Could he? Could he? He said, it's not according to what I can do. It's according to what you can believe. Amen. And that determines every area of our life. So the problem is not God doing it. The problem is not God getting the money to you. The problem is not him coming up with it. He'll come by it honest. Don't you worry about it. He'll get it in a good way. The challenge is him getting the vision into us to where we see it and believe it and expect it. And that's what you and I have to work on ourselves, getting our minds renewed. Amen. And getting this thing in us. And you just have to stay after it and feed your faith and feed your faith and feed you. That's one reason the Lord sent me here this week. Amen. Stir up this. Let's feed our faith. Let's get stirred up. Amen. Keep reading. He said, Lot hung with Abram, and he wound up rich with flocks and herds and and tents. And the land was what? Didn't God know how much land they had? (laughs) Did God know how many acres was out there? The land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. Why? For their substance was great, and they couldn't dwell together. They had so many hundred camels, and so many thousand sheep, and so many thousand cows, and bulls, and calves, till they run out of land. Didn't God know? I said, did God know? How come he keeps blessing them with cows and goats and camels until they just absolutely run out of room? Everybody say, no more room. No more room. Did Malachi say, bring ye all the tithes hmm, into the storehouse and prove me now herewith? One translation said, try it. Let me show you. Test me, one says, if I will not open the windows of heaven. Now, the last time he opened them before that phrase, there was too much water come out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) If I will not open you the windows of heaven and what? Pour you out blessings unto what? One translation says, to there's no more room. No more room. Everybody said, no more room. Are you there? Not experientially. I said, no. I, most, most of us not. But are we going to water down the Bible? Turn to Leviticus real quick. Hold your place in Genesis if you haven't already lost it. Go to Leviticus. It's just close by. 26. Now, whether you know it or not, Leviticus 26 is the forerunner of Deuteronomy 28. Anybody remember Deuteronomy 28 had all the curses for not doing the law and the blessings for keeping the law? And we know from Galatians we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. What a deal. 
Lost the curse, got to keep the blessing. And more. But Deuteronomy 26 is the forerunner of Deuteronomy 28. And verse 3 starts out that way. He said, verse 3, if you'll walk in my statutes and you'll keep my commandments and do them, I'll give you rain in due season. The land will yield or increase. Trees of the field will yield their fruit. Your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. Now stop right there. That means you don't run out. Right? I said that you don't run out. It reaches. That's actually a, a key word in the whole Bible study of prosperity is this word reach. Poverty has to do with when it does not reach. So you wind up insufficient lack. But with the blessing of God, it reaches. I mean, you don't run out between the, the, the next income. It reaches to the sowing time and you shall eat your bread. How? To the full. And you'll dwell in your land safely. And I'll give peace in the land and you'll lie down and none will make you afraid. And I'll rid evil beasts out of the land and the sword will not go through your land. And you'll chase your enemies and they'll fall before you by the sword. And five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred will put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies will fall before you by the sword. For I'll have respect to you. I'll make you fruitful. I'll multiply you. I'll establish my covenant with you. Now here he goes on to Canaan land. And you will eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. He said it'll reach. But then I'm going to take you beyond that. I'm going to take you to the place to where you don't have enough room for all of it. And you don't have... You don't have room for the old because of all the new that's coming in. What you got to do then? Hmm? You got, you got three new cars just come in. You have to take that old 98 model out of the garage. <laughs> Twelve new outfits and you just had 20 the last six months. And you have to take these, those old last year clothes out of the closet to make room for the new. Come on, now I only got ten people with me. Are, are you listening to me? You've got to take out the old. I didn't say the junk. It's just not the new. So what do you do? You don't do like the man Jesus talked about that had abundant crops. And he said, what am I going to do? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And I'll say, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, be merry, enjoy yourself. And, he, and, and the Lord said, you fool. Tonight your soul is going to be required of you. What do you do when you got too much? You don't just sit down and think about moi. You look up. You look around. Is that right? Who needs these new suits? Who, who needs this other car? Who needs these? Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Who needs this? And have to bring out the old because of the new. Man, this, this, they have this under the old covenant. And we got a new and a better covenant. We got everything they had plus more. 
Go on to, back to Genesis. Let me finish this up. Genesis 26. This is supposed to continue from generation to generation and it's supposed to increase from generation to generation. It's not just a good desire that parents have that they want their kids to be better off than they were. It's godly. You remember the scripture, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You know what the rest of that scripture is? That's not the whole thing. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And yet you got some Christians try to tell you, well, now I don't think it's good for those kids to get all that money that early in life. It doesn't help them. It helps. They get out there and have to scrape for it like I did, then it gives them character. Yeah, and you think you know more than God, I guess. Money does not prevent character. It's poor parenting. Did you hear me? Of wealthy people. No. No. God intends that every generation steps up. Amen. And, the, and your kids start off at a high place. Amen. That your kids, I mean, you know, they, they miss you when you're gone, but they know you went to heaven. And every other day they're thinking, thank you, Daddy. <laughs> thank you, Mama. Woo. Every interest check that they're sending you or every, everything that was released to you. Why? Because of the wealth. And then your kids and the next generation steps up. and step. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. And, and Abram's son, Isaac, in, in chapter 26 of Genesis, look at it, Genesis 26. 26.1, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Can you make it when there's a famine in the land? Can God take care of you? Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and to Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Go not down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. For unto you and unto your seed I'll give all these countries, and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And you skip down to verse 12. Verse 12, And Isaac sowed in that land, and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. <laughs> the Philistines envied now, the Philistines, that's typical of the world. And, and even the kings, Abimelech, and the king of, I mean, he had the best stuff in the land. He had the best horses. He had the best chariots. He had the best houses. He had the best everything till Isaac come along. And when Isaac moved to town And begin to sow where God told him to sow. And begin to reap a hundredfold in a year. His stuff was so nice, it outshined the king's. Made the king mad. 
He's the king. He's supposed to be the big dog. He comes ripping through in his chariot. Everybody's oohing and on until Isaac pulls up. And the king pulls over to the restaurant and everybody's over at Isaac's chariot. Going, Look at them wheels. Man, those horses. Now, people have tried to say that this is not, you know, that's gaudy. That's being showy. That's not right. Christians are supposed to be dull gray. Do you understand? You have whole groups of Christians that preach against. It's actually forbidden in their order to have a red car. Where'd this come from? Didn't God make red? Well, I reckon he likes red. He made purple. He made lime green. Fuchsia. Lavender. I reckon he likes it just fine. Turn to Jeremiah 33, please. Everybody say the Philistines envied him. Has the world been envying you? Everybody say, not yet. All right, okay. <laughs> Have they been envying you? Do you think about this? Someone says, well, well, I don't know about it. I'm giving you scripture, all right? We're reading the Bible, okay? Jeremiah 33, verse 9. Well, no, back up, back up. I need to read some more to you. Uh, verse 6. Jeremiah 33, 6 says, Behold, I bring it health and cure. I will cure them, and I reveal to them abundance of peace and truth. How many believe this is for us today? God will heal you? Huh? He'll give you peace? He give you, is this for us today? Keep reading. I'll cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and will build them as at the first. I'll cleanse them from all their iniquity. I'll pardon their iniquities. Is that for us today? Cleansing of sin and iniquity. Verse 9, And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I will do to them. And they, the world, they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I will procure to it. Glory to God. God intends that His blessing on our life be to a degree that it is a witness to people. That they're in awe of it. Then they fear God because of it. Because they look at us and they see how we live. And they know ain't no way a human being can make that much money in a year on their own. There's no way you could have done those things for that little of money. It's supernatural. No way. They tried to get it and tried to get it. And you walked in there and got it. They went under and you opened up four new branches. Hmm? 
And yet you still, when you pull up and get out of your new car, you're not huffy, you're not proud. You'll stop and talk to a sinner on the street for an hour and lead him to Jesus. Hmm? Don't feel like you're too good to sit down with anybody or be with anybody. It's a witness. I said it's a witness. It's a witness. Do you know Ecclesiastes talks about that the poor man's wisdom is despised? Isn't that something? I mean, he's got wisdom. People don't want to hear him because he's broke. I've heard folk fuss about, you know, a Christian riding in first class or a preacher riding in first class. Well, don't those folk in first class need to be witnessed to also? Hmm? Don't we need somebody in these exclusive restaurants representing God? Huh? Don't we need some people in these nice neighborhoods, in these exclusive parks and Golf courses and, huh? Don't they need God? Just like the man on the street? God intended. It has been His will. It is His will. People have changed and said all kind of stuff, but He hasn't changed. He's not going to change. It's His will that He bless you and bless you and bless you and bring you up and increase you and bless you and bless you until it's so over the top until it's so excessive and people look at you and go glory to God (laughs) makes them get quiet and go that's awesome you know God's got to be helping them It blesses me so much when people hear of something that happened with us and they look at me and go, that's got to be God. That had to be God. And I go, you got that right. It was beyond me from the first day. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Joshua 17. I'll try to wind this up pretty quick here. Joshua 17. Well, you know, we didn't take time to read. Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe I'm moving too fast here. Go ahead and find that scripture. I'm looking at something else. Just a minute. Everybody say, too much oil. Not enough room. Too many cows. Too many goats. <laughs> too much. Amen. We saw it with Abraham. We saw it with his boy. We saw it with their boys. You can just write it down if you don't want to turn there. But in Genesis 36, I'll just read it to you. Esau and Jacob, you know, they had some ups and downs and problems. But the Bible said that Esau took all his cows and his substance. And he had to go away from his brother. Verse 7, for their riches were more than that they might dwell together. Kept happening generation after generation after generation. Wouldn't it be wonderful? We grow stronger and stronger until we look at each other and go, well, you take the north side and I'll take the south. We'll meet in the middle. Now at some point, that's got to quit sounding just like a fairy tale to us. 
Right? At some point, we got to not just go, <laughs> yeah. We got to go, yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Joshua 17, are you there? Have you got your shouting clothes on tonight, are you? You're going to like this. I'm telling you, you're going to like this. Joshua 17. You know the story. God gave them the land of Canaan, the land that was too much. Grapes so big, two men had to carry them. Huge. I mean, amazing produce they had never seen, riches they had never seen. And that first generation didn't learn their faith lessons, failed the manna test, failed all the other tests, and wandered around out there for 40 years. And, and you know, after you've been in the wilderness for so long, people try to tell themselves, well, this is the will of God for us. And it's not. Well, we're eating. You know, we're okay. We're making it. But it never was God's plan for them to stay there. He's had Canaan's land for them. But thank God Joshua and Caleb and that next generation, they got tired of wandering around out there in the dry, hand-to-mouth, day-to-day existence. And they got to looking over the border into Canaan's land, and they decided we believe it. We believe in the too much. We believe in the excessive. And by the grace of God, we're going to take it. Do you understand they had to take it? I said they had to take it. You have to appropriate it with your faith. You can't just sit by and sing Kumbaya. You, you can't just sit idly by and go, Lord, well, it's just all up to you. If you want me to be blessed, you know, I would sure appreciate it. But it's just whatever, whatever you want. It doesn't work like that. You've you got to step up. Amen. It's in a hold on. God gave this to me and I'm having it. I'm claiming it. I'm laying hold of it with my spirit. I'm not going to be talked off of it. I'm not going to be moved off of it. I'm not going to be worn down till I quit and give up. I am here. So that second generation, I mean, they came up to Canaan's land. And you got all those giants. Malachites, Perizzites, and Olamites. And they said, this is our land. And the giant said, says you. We've been living here a long time. This is our land. They said, no, this is our land. God gave it to us. And they said, over our dead bodies. And they said, okay. <laughs> and they took it. Everybody say, took it. Okay. Took it. Okay. Took it. You know Mark eleven twenty four says, what things serve you desire? When you pray, believe that you receive them. You shall have them. The word receive literally means take. Believe that you take. Now, I'm talking about taking things from people. You take it by faith. Amen. Claim you won. Don't covet somebody else's. Claim you won. Amen. Somebody needs to hear that. Now claim you won. I've been wanting to live in a different place. Well, claim you another place. Claim it. Well, I don't make much money. What does that have to do with it? They begin to take the land. And verse 14, Joshua 17, 14. You got to read this with me. Stay with me now. Focus for just a few minutes. The children of Joshua spoke, Joseph rather, spoke to Joshua. And they said, why have you just given me one lot? 
and one portion to inherit, seeing I'm a great people. And the Lord's blessed me to this point. They're putting pressure on Joshua. They're going, you know, you didn't give us enough. We need some more. You just, you just gave us one lot. Listen to me, friends. Faith puts no pressure on people. Hmm? If you're putting pressure on people for your needs to be met, you are not living by faith. You are not operating by faith. You're putting pressure on your employer all the time to give you a raise. Then what that reveals is you think that he is your source. And you think it has to come through there. And you think it's going to be through your pressure that your increase comes. And you're not in faith. You're always pulling on your husband. Well, by get me a better house. Get me a better this. Get me a better car. You're not in faith. You're looking to him. You're pulling on him. Always talking to your wife. Well, honey, let me buy this. I want to get this. She's not your source. Hmm? And don't tell your kids, we can't afford this. Man, that's worse than cussing. It is. It is. Destroy their vision. Destroy their vision. You limit them to your little job. That the only thing they can have is what comes through your little job. And I don't care how much money you make, it's little compared to what God can do. Let's live by faith. Let's operate by faith. I was preaching along this line some years ago. And, and this, I got a letter two months after the service. And this, this lady wrote me. She said, you know, when you first said that, I, it bothered me some because I had told I was a single mom and didn't make much money. And, and my kids, I had told them that a lot. They'd, they'd want this. Mommy, I want that. And we'd say, sorry, baby, you know, we can't afford this. Mama's working, but, you know, we just, this is all we got. And uh, she said the next time something came up, a little girl came and said she wanted a certain bike. And she said, well, baby, I'm sorry, you know, we can't have, and she caught herself. And I had told them, don't do that. First of all, ascertain, is it something you wouldn't mind them having? And if it is, don't tell them they can't have it. Tell them all things are possible to him that believes. Tell them I'll believe God with you. You know why people don't do that? Because they're afraid their baby might be disappointed. Which means they don't believe it theirself. I said, tell them. Teach them how to sew. Tell them, take one of your toys. Take some of your stuff. Sew it to your friends. Sew it to somebody and let's claim one. She acted on it. Her little girl said, I, I want this bike. And she started to say, we can't afford it. She called herself. She said, well, baby, I'll believe with you. Got something you want to sew? She did. She had, I mean, kids, you want, they get stirred up. They don't have 40 years of junk in their head to, to hold them back. She said, Mom, I'm going to believe with you. So she joined hands with her. They prayed a quick prayer. If any two of you agree is touching anything you ask, it'll be done for you. They claimed this bicycle or the money to get it, whichever needed to happen, and began to thank God. Just two or three weeks later, here comes in the mail a check to the girl. From an unexpected channel. More than enough of the bike. And just two blocks away they're having a sale on that bike. They take the check. They cash it. 
They walk over. The little girl plunks the money down, buys and pays for the bike, rides off on it. You'll never get that out of her. Mama didn't buy it. Easter Bunny didn't bring it. Santa Claus didn't get it. Jesus got her that bike and she'll never forget it. And you get started operating that way and you just keep doing it when you're five and six and ten and twenty. I mean, it's just the way you, it's like breathing to you. And if you want one or need one, you don't even look at numbers. You just claim one. Start believing for it. So far and start believing for it. They're putting pressure on Joshua saying, you've got to give us some more. Verse 16, they said, the hill's not enough for us. Verse 17, Joshua said, to the house of Joseph. And listen, this is what you need to say. Anybody, husband or wife or child or anybody that's trying to make you the provider, trying to make you the source, putting pressure on you to produce or to do something for them, you just look at them and you say, well, you are a great people, ain't you? you got great power, don't you? The mountain shall be yours. It's a wood. You'll cut it down. The outgoings will be yours. For you, you, everybody say you. You will drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Because verse 16, they had said, it ain't enough for us. And those Canaanites, they got chariots of iron. We can't get that. And Joshua said, I thought you was a great people. Well, we are. Well, then there it is, baby. Go get it. Get it. Get it. Claim it. Believe for it. Amen. And in verse 18, he said to them, verse 2, there remained seven tribes that hadn't yet received their inheritance. How many tribes were there? Twelve. So how many had received their inheritance? Just, just five? All this is typical. wonder how much of the body of Christ hadn't received their inheritance. And Joshua said, verse 3, how long are you slack to go up and possess the land? What you waiting on? What are you waiting on to possess? To go get it? There were some guys in the crowd that day that took him seriously. It was the tribe of Judah. And in chapter 19, here, here's, here's where the shouting comes in. Chapter 19. The Bible said that out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon. Four, are you there? Are you reading with me? 19.9? Are you there? 19.9? Four, the part of the children of Judah was what? Was what? Too much. Hey, too much for them. So the children of Simeon had their inheritance within Judah's inheritance. They moved in on their place. Because Judah's place was too much. Joshua told them, but you ain't known. Why are you slack to possess the land? The Lord's given it to you. Now rise up and go get it. Some of them were crying about iron chariots and giants and just like their daddy said died out in the wilderness. But Judah, the leaders of Judah said, you hear the man? Y'all ready? Everybody get their weapons. Let's go. 
And they went and they began to take. Everybody say take. They began to take. And they went north and they took. 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 And then they sent back home. And they said, we got all this north land. They said, you got land over to the east? Yeah, take it. So they went over to the east and they took. 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 And they took land. And they took some more land. And they took some more land. And they sent back home and they said, you know, we took all that east land. Got any land to the south of you there? Yeah. Take it. Take it. So, so they took the land and they took some more 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 and then they sent back home. So we got all that south land. Any land over to the west of you? Yeah. Take it. Take it. So they took the land and they took the land and they took the land. And when they got through, they looked up and go, whoo, we'll never use all of this. We'll never use all of this. And Simeon said, we're still looking for our place. They said, move in over on the west side. We won't even know you're there. Did Judah do the will of God? Did they do what God intended that the first generation do? That all the tribes do? Is it a type for us? Is it? Then are we taking as much as we should be taking? Not until you have too much. Too much. Too much. Till you get it in your spirit. Amen? Until you've got too many cars. Hmm? And people come in and visit you and say, hey, you take that and use it for a month. I won't even know it's gone. You got too many rooms. Hmm? Well, yeah, y'all can stay with me. Who? All of you. You got too much. How many understand you're not in the place to be the full blessing God intended you to be until you have too much. Too much. Too much. Too much. Too much till you don't have room to put it. Amen. Too much till the cup won't hold it. Too much. Not enough land to feed all those cows. Too much. Everybody say too much. Too much. Too much. Are you a faith appropriator? That's weak. Stand up, guys. Stand up. Come on. Now, don't. Now, now the devil will come immediately to steal the word and try to get it away from you. And you got to keep it in front of you. You got to keep the vision before you. Amen. Until what seemed impossible, what seemed so totally out of your reach, you quit making excuses about what you don't have and what you don't know and how you didn't go to school and how you're too old and how you don't know the right people. You do know the right people. Set out loud. Close your eyes. Set out loud. I will possess too much. Say it again. I will possess... Too much. Again, I will possess too much. Too much. Life excessive. Joy excessive. Peace excessive. Stuff excessive. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, praise God, son. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Too much. Too much. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. Too much. Too much. Too much. Oh, thank you, Lord. His will is too much. That's His will. That's His will. Oh, you're going to have to stay on this, friend. You're going to have to stay on this long after I'm gone now. You can, don't, don't let this get away from you. Don't, it's easy to get stirred up and to praise God, but then in the morning when you wake up the alarm clock and you go look at yourself in the mirror and the devil will say, that's just a bunch of hype. This is the real world, baby, right here. And it's all about you making your rent some way, somehow. So maybe if you'll take another job, maybe if you'll do this, Maybe if you'll do that and just be thankful. Well, yeah, be thankful. But don't stay there. Don't be satisfied. And don't let the enemy rob you of your vision. You got to hold on to it. I mean, you got to get a hold of this like a big bulldog with a bone. You, you got to grab it. And I mean, you gotta say whether anybody understands what you're talking about or not. You gotta be on the job in the middle of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon when you feel tired and under your breath, you just say, too much. Too much. That's where I'm headed. I am headed for too much. That's where I'm going. Too much. Too much. Too much. I'm gonna possess. I'm going to believe I receive. Amen. Until I have so much. That other. Because friend. Do you understand the responsibility that has fallen to us? We are a blessed people. Now I hope you hear this the right way now. The Lord has shown things and given us eyes to see things. That a whole lot of people in the body of Christ just refuse to see. Right. About faith. And about healing and about prosperity doesn't mean, doesn't, doesn't make them bad. It just means we're blessed. It means God has privileged us. Well, there's a whole lot of people. They are not going to take the land. They are never going to have too much because they don't even want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. So we've got to take too much to make up for what they're not taking. We got to take too much for the Simeons. In the body, the tribes that are going to whine and cry and they'll come and they'll fuss at us and they'll make fun of us and they'll even talk ugly about us and then it'll come up next year. They'll need a hundred thousand for their mission project and you'll send it to them. And all at once they'll like you. Well, we don't agree with everything, but they're nice people. They're our churches our ministries must rise up to this amen because there are so many that are not somebody's got to hold it somebody's got to go for it somebody has got to preach it somebody's got to live it amen say it again too much 
too much. Too much is God's will for me. Too much is where I'm headed. Too much is how I will live. Too much is what I must have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put up your hands and praise Him again. Praise Him again. Oh, come on. Praise Him a little. Praise Him out loud. Give Him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. Come on, praise Him a little bit more. He's doing some things. Oh, you're moving by your Spirit, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I, I, I heard in my spirit and I saw in my spirit the yearning of the Lord. Yearning. I, 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 help me to say that, Lord. It's, it's like the Lord is saying, I, I so want to get this into my people. I, 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 there's so many things I want to do. There's so much I can do. If my people will receive it, if they'll believe me, if they'll let this sin, if they'll believe I am big. Friends, there's so much money in this world. So much money. Do you know there are corporations, multi-billion dollar corporations. They have to give away hundreds of millions Every year, it's in their bylaws. They have to do it. And they're meeting, trying to see where they can put it. Hmm? And, and yet, so many of God's people are just struggling over a 50 or a 100. Or, or how are we going to do this? There is so much money in this world. Billions. Billions and billions that are moving every day. Just moving here and there. And there are people that can write checks for a hundred million dollars and not blink an eye. Never even miss it. And I know what I'm talking I know some details of what I'm talking about. I, the Lord's helping me with my vision. He's run people across my path and me across theirs the last few years. And, and they looked at me and, and talked about a project. And I thought, well, yeah, boy, that'd be good. And they said, would $200 million be enough? I thought, Ooh. I was thinking, two. They don't think in telephone numbers. They think in international telephone numbers. There's so much money in, in, in this city. There's so much money in New Jersey. There's so much money in New York. Are you kidding me? There's... Do you know that there are people with vaults of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions? They can't take it out. Because if they take it out, people won't know where it came from. 
and they'll go to jail. But they could drop it in the church in a paper bag. <laughs> oh, are you are you getting what I'm talking about? Are you do you sense what I'm sensing in my spirit? Oh man, we we've played around with such little bitty stuff and we've struggled with such little projects and little concepts to God. And he's pleased with our progress. Don't you misunderstand me. He's glad. I mean, a few years ago, some of us wouldn't even raise our hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we, we thought this was a move of God. And now, you'll believe him for a healing. You'll believe him to protect you. Amen. You'll believe him to pay your bills and pay your rent. But how many know, oh, that's just, just, just the edge of the beginning. The eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth. The Spirit of God is searching. He's searching tonight. He's looking. He wants to find somebody whose heart is wholehearted towards Him. That He can give a million and say, give it the next day and they'll give it just like that. That He can pour money through them like a faucet. That they won't get hung up. They won't get stuck. They won't just get selfish. They won't forget about Him and just start doing their own thing. Somebody that won't choke on a large figure. Somebody that he'll tell you, believe me for this. And they'll go, I will believe you for it. I want you to believe me to sow this amount to that ministry. And they'll go, Lord, I will believe you for that. I'm claiming that right now in Jesus' name. You put it in my hands and I will write the check. I will put it there. And hold on to it day after day and day after day and month after month. He can do it. He can't do it. He just needs somebody that will believe him. Somebody that will agree with him. Praise God. Put your hands up again if you would. Close your eyes and just thank him a little bit more. Father, thank you. You are doing a work in people's hearts in this place. Lord, it's your will that prosperity be a sign that people fear you and be in awe because of it. We haven't seen this to the degree you want. Your will is excess, too much. We haven't seen this, but we believe it. Say it out loud, we believe it. We believe it. God's looking for people that will believe in healing even though they don't feel healed. He's looking for people that will believe in prosperity even though it's not there in your pocket. His eyes are looking to and fro to find. Put up your hand and say, here am I. Here am I. Use me. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. I'll believe you. I'll claim it. I'll hold on to it until it comes in. And I'll give it. And I'll do with it just what you say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. 
Praise you, Lord. 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 Listen, here's something. Here's something else the Lord said. The scripture said Jesus was sent to preach the gospel to the poor. The good news to the poor is that you do not have to remain poor. That God is an excessive God of too much. And that his will is that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Prosperity is not a side issue. It is a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, be not ashamed of the gospel. Be not ashamed of the gospel of prosperity. The good news of my excessive prosperity. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. But be bold. Be bold. Don't let anyone intimidate you. And make you feel slighted and make you feel inferior and intimidate you so that you back off and won't say that God blesses financially and materially. For part of this is my plan to use you, says the Lord, to be a witness to, to individuals that I intend to bring them in and their money. And I want to use some of you to be witnesses to these people. You must not fear them. You must not feel inferior to them. You must not treat them differently because they have so much money. Because I will bring people across your path. And I will bring you across their path. Do not duck your head and turn aside because they have big jewelry and they have nice suits and they ride in big cars and they're well known and they're known to be powerful financially. Look them in the eye and treat them no differently because they have money and love them and boldly tell them the truth and be a friend to them not according to their money. And I'll use you, says the Lord. And they'll come in. And their money will come in. And their friends will come in. And their money will come in. But you must not be ashamed of the gospel that includes prosperity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my, my. I know somebody. <laughs> I know somebody right now. I'm thinking when, when I said that. A teenager. A teenager. But unashamed of the gospel. Led a multi-billionaire to the Lord. Just not that long ago. Changed their whole family. Changed their whole life. Now you look up here and there and they're in meetings. Smiling. God wants to use people right here. Amen. But you cannot tuck your head. You cannot go, yeah, but I live across the tracks and, and man, that's so and so. 
Well, they were Presbyterian, and they don't believe in all this prosperity, or they were Catholic, or they were Baptist, or they were this, or they were that. Get all of that out of your mind. Get all of that out of your mind. And obey God. Amen? Be a friend to them. God will give them insight, and they'll see you really love them, not for their money. Amen? And you're not after anything from them. You just love them. Amen. And God's going to bring people in. And contacts. And they'll know somebody. They'll know somebody. Next thing you know, there'll be people asking the pastor. Say, Pastor, I need to see you about something. Could we divert these funds here to these accounts? Could we do this? Could we do that? And they'll ask you, do you know where we could put three million? And you go, yeah. Yeah. Nonprofit organization, yeah. Yeah. But you gotta be bold. You can't look, you can't go fuck, 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 fuck. Three million. Just just act cool and go, yeah. Yeah, praise God. Come on, you go to church with me. I'll take you out to eat afterwards. Mm. Anybody with me at all? Anybody? Are you? Glory to God. It's going to take it to do the next things that need to be done. It's going to take it. You can't, the next things that need to be done, you can't do with $20,000. Praise God. Let's close your eyes one more time. Let's thank the Lord. Say again, Lord, here I am. I will not be embarrassed. I will not be ashamed of you, your gospel, your word of prosperity, which is part of the gospel. I will not, in front of rich or poor, great or small, king or pauper, I will not be ashamed of you or your words. Your spirit is in me. Your hand is on me. Make me bold. Make me strong for yourself. And I will stand up. And I'll lift up my head. And I'll love people. And I will speak your word. Use me. Just like you want to. And bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring the people in. Bring the money in. We claim it. We claim too much. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.